Okay, well, it's our real pleasure to be here today, and we're going to see how this working well together goes. <laughs> I'm Alistair, and this is me. <laughs> uh, I, I work with, with Crossreach. I currently hold the role of uh, Head of Service for Mental Health, Homelessness and Criminal Justice. And Crossreach is the big social care arm of the Church of Scotland, for those of you who don't know it. We work with about 3,000 people a day, delivering um, health and support in, in different types of areas. You can't hear... Is that better? That better. Uh, and, in, and that's our mission statement that you see up there. In Christ's name we seek to retain and regain the highest quality of life which each individual is capable of experiencing at any given time. So, yeah, good to be with you. Uh, my name's Alistair, as introduced. Uh, although, on Saturday nights I might be known as other names. Like uh, Bethany Christian Trust, the mission, the overarching mission, is to relieve the suffering and meet the long-term needs of homeless and vulnerable people. So within that context, um, we're going to be sharing about two specific projects within each of these organisations and sort of homing in on some of, the, some of the aspects of joint working with other agencies, some of the aspects of forming teams, working with stakeholders, some of the issues that arise. So one is Crossreach Daisy Chain Project in Govan Hill, Glasgow, and the other is Bethany Christian Centre in Leith, Edinburgh. And in turn, we're going to tell you a bit about each. And within each project, we're going to tell you about some of the themes, some of the, the aspects of working together with others effectively and with integrity. So um, Viv's going to go first, so I'll hand over to you. What I wondered, first of all, is if there was anything you particularly wanted from this session that we can cover that you're grappling with in terms of working effectively in your own context with partners. So um, hold on to these thoughts uh, and at the end there will be time to question. Uh, you might get the answers as we go along but there might be things that you think how would that work or have you come across this before. We're quite happy to try and answer these questions and if we don't know we'll see if we can find out for you. I've started first because the service that I want to talk about today is uh, the Daisy Chain Project, which is an early years project in Govan Hill. Um, and this was a bit of a first for Crossreach in a lot of ways. We do an awful lot of services, but because we're funded by local authorities and because local authorities fund in certain ways, we tended to work in uh, specific subject areas. And what we decided under this service that we'd like to do is bring our own services together to think about whether we could put in a more holistic uh, service in one of the poorest areas in Scotland, in Glasgow's Govan Hill. So it was a bit of a challenge for us uh, not just to work collaboratively in the Govan Hill area, but actually to make our own staff think together about how they can better meet people's needs. So the first thing that we decided we had to do was to understand the community. Anyone in a church, we can have lots and lots of good ideas about what it is we want to do. And if I went into any church and said to you, what would you really like to do in this community? There'd probably be lots and lots of different answers because everybody has different interests and different skills and, and, and priorities, things that they think are really, really important. That's how it was when we initially started the service. We thought we could do lots and lots of things, and actually our skills base would allow us to do work in almost any area. But what we thought we'd better do first is actually talk to the community that we were going into to say, here are the skills and experience we have as an organisation. What would you find beneficial here on the ground? Because we were aware that there was an awful lot already happening in Govan Hill. We started with the transformation team. I don't know if any of you know them. Church of Scotland transformation team work out of Anderson, Kelvin Grove. And they have already done community profiles of a lot of the poorest communities in Scotland. So we started with their profile. We got a sense of what was already in the, on the ground in the area um, and decided to look for partners where we could start this piece of work. We had identified a number of local partners, but what we really wanted to do was to find a church where we could start the work from. We were very called to work with children in the very earliest years to see if we could do something about changing the intergenerational cycles that we see within our work um, with, with, with adults and older people. So we tentatively went into the area with a little bit of funding and our skills base and made an offer. 
what would you like us to do? Help us to define the way forward um, and set up a community meeting and then we're terrified that nobody was going to come. <laughs> that was our first thing. Who, who wants to work with the Church of Scotland? <laughs> Who's going to come? Uh, you know, uh, their fear that we might just be telling them what they needed, our fear that actually what we had to offer might not meet the needs of the community. So we went into that very tentatively. But actually it was great. Lots of people came, people from other churches, um, people from local organisations, and um, People who needed support in the community came along to that first day. NHS education saying there is a lot going on in Govan Hill, but actually what we really need is somebody who will help us to join that up and to plug the gaps. And we thought, okay, <laughs> I think we can do that. Um, and where we decided to do it from was a very generous offer made to us from the Elam Church. So as the Church of Scotland, we start with the Elam Church, who have a fantastic facility you can see why we chose it. Not, not many of us have organised our church halls to be as child-friendly as that. Um, but that was a real match. Their playroom uh, and their passion and our skills and experience. And we thought, this is a real welcoming environment for small children to come into. This will be our first partnership with, with the Eland Church. And they were great. They've given us the office five days a week and use of the space three days a week. And the pastor there, of course, embedded in the local community, was able to give us lots of good insights and really wanted to build his church up through the work that we were able to do as well. The second thing that we decided to do with the community group, and we asked the initial community group if they would come and work with us uh, as a steering group, as an advisory group as the project developed. You really need to ask yourselves, what, what do you want to happen as a result of what you're doing? Lots of us are driven to be very, very busy in our churches, and we are very, very busy in our churches. But actually, do you really want things to change for your community? Uh, what do you want to happen? And how are you going to measure that and agree it with others? So we set some very clear objectives for the Daisy Chain, and it was about looking at the children in the area and we aim to support the vulnerable families by reducing isolation, developing confidence, building self-esteem, nurturing, and at the end of the day, helping families with no support to engage with the raft of other services that were there, because there is a raft of other services there. But people who are very vulnerable and very chaotic often feel that they can't engage with statutory services, they're a bit frightened of them. In Govan Hill, there are communities who aren't really served by statutory services at all because they've come in under the radar, a lot of people. So we've got children who are hidden children. Um, and we were worried about them. We were worried that there was no support there for them. So you're being very careful about statutory service partnerships and voluntary service partnerships and whose need is it you're there to serve. And we were very, very clear we're there to serve the need of the people in Govan Hill. Um, however they come to us and in whatever state their children are. And so you're having to tiptoe very carefully uh, around things like child protection, around immigration, <laughs> around how many families are living in one house, social housing, all the rest of it, and trying to put a lot of your value judgments. I think you've got to create safety, safe and secure environments for people, but put your value judgments to one side because we're a very Western society, we do things in a certain way um, and that's a real challenge for us as a big organisation as well, sometimes to put the value judgments on one side and just let people come uh, uh, how they are. And here's a picture of us doing some of what we said we would do on the tin, trying to, to nurture the children coming in. We discovered that an awful lot of children um, weren't eating well um, that they weren't being properly nurtured or nourished and we felt that actually we couldn't engage with children hungry children <laughs> uh, aren't good at engaging with us so we felt that one of the things we could do is to um, model healthy eating and to feed children when they came to us so that was one of the services that we were able to set up quite quickly So we approached um, Inspiring Scotland for funding. I don't know if any of you know Inspiring Scotland. The Scottish Government put out a fund called the Early Years Early Action Fund and it was to make a difference to Scotland's very youngest children. They gave us a piece of funding and that's what we took into the community with us. 
Uh, and the first job was to build a team round about that. And it's, it's what you need from your team, your key skills. And that is what we in church circles, I think, call talents. <laughs> the talents that people have uh, work to that uh, in your congregations and, and with us in our services. So what I needed really quickly was a manager on the ground. I didn't actually need a childcare expert at that point. I needed somebody who was interested in the local community and actually who just knew about getting services up and running really, really quickly. And that person is Cathy Payton. She's... Um, based in the church in Linlithgow but actually works with us in Glasgow we then brought in the childcare practitioners under that and a whole lot of volunteers um, and that's been um, great Uh, and we we train the volunteers we give them an awful lot of support volunteers are wonderful people um, and all of us will have volunteered I'm sure in our churches uh, or services that we work with in lots of different ways but they don't come at no cost. And the mistake that we made a lot of times, I think, when we set things up is that we think the volunteering is free, <laughs> that it costs us nothing, and the volunteers are happy to give their time. They are. But actually, unless you put the proper support systems in for volunteers, unless you really ground them in the work that you're doing, give them training, value them, respect them, then they're not going to stay with you. So we spend a lot of time nurturing and working with our volunteers as well. And uh, we can talk a wee bit about volunteering if we've got time during this, but I've actually put uh, at the back of the hall something from the volunteer website there that just talks about support for volunteers. Because I think to keep your volunteers, to keep them motivated, that's really, really important. So looking at key skills, somebody coordinating your project, how are people going to find you, um, what's the project look like, how many volunteers are you going to need, are you operating safely, all of these sorts of things, the training and the support. And here we are, this is our people of power here. We have four uh, people working in the project, one full-time, the rest part-time, and ten volunteers um, and working right across the, the community there in Govan Hill. The next thing really was to talk to people about what your offer is. What is your offer when you get this piece of funding, when you've got your team together, when you've talked to your community? What is it that you really are about? And I think the importance of working in partnership is to be really clear about that. Um, Sometimes we go into something not really sure and then we get compromised when people are asking us well can you deliver this, can you deliver that can you deliver the next thing and sometimes you find that you're just working too quickly with shifting needs and changes for people so we were very very clear that we are about these things Um, we are about working with small children, we're going to take referrals for children under the age of 7 we would work older than that if they had a sibling but on the whole it's about early intervention, that's the group we're going to work with. Very very clear about setting the parameters now that might feel exclusive in some ways but it really really helps to ground your service in the first place so um, and I think any voluntary organisation or any group in the community, any church can suddenly be overwhelmed with need so I think it's really really good to be very clear at this point understand the power of your faith base Um, that has been a real revelation to me because we are now working with I think about seven to eight different cultures in that community Um, and when I went in recently and was talking to the Muslim group and one of the Roma groups about what what it was they saw uh, in the group that we were working in, the work that we were doing, what is it that made them come and work with us? Um, They said it's your faith base. You have a set of values, you know what you're about, um, you have an ethos that's really, really clear to us, and the quality of your welcome is undeniable. That means to us that you will respect our faith base, that you offer that welcome to us, Um, and that we can respect what you do and you can respect us for who we are. And that was a real revelation to me in some ways because it sounds, sometimes people say we can't work with the church, it's a difficult place to work with, they're not welcoming, Uh, they have set ways of working, but it's absolutely amazing in the community that we're working just now to see all of these people coming together. Negotiate boundaries. Um, 
you know, there are, there are things that we sometimes say we would like to do. There are some behaviours uh, that we, we were talking earlier about. Really think about why you're setting your boundaries and negotiate them. Are you coming from a place that's very Presbyterian or church-based or whatever it is um, because it's a set of rules that you have in your head or actually are the boundaries you're setting good, safe, secure boundaries about protecting the people that you're working with. And again, that's the bit that I would just say is a challenge, I think, when you're working in partnership, particularly if you're trying to include lots of different types of people. And here I've got no when to say no. The sting in the tail here from the scorpion. Uh, There are some things that we just need to know our limits on um, and to be very, very clear about that and just to say, I'm sorry, we can't help you, but there may be another organisation or group in the area who can. Um, and, And I think that offers protection to everybody. It offers protection to your staff. It offers integrity to your project or service uh, or outreach that you're trying to run. The other thing I would say is to be very, very careful about your environment and pay attention to it. Be genuine. Get your volunteers to be genuine. We've set up a number of projects now. Um, The quality of the welcome, I think, is really, really important. The environment. If you're going to set up a group for children, make sure you have all the toys and things that children like to do in place. If you're going to set up a group for older people, particularly if you're working with dementia, really think into the needs of that group. Don't just go, we've got a church hall, we've got a few chairs, Uh, we'd like to do an outreach, Um, we think it would be a good thing to do actually really, really talk to the people who are going to use the service and say, what do you need from us? What would make it accessible for you? How can we help you come into our service and use us as your servants best? Learn from your mistakes. Don't be afraid of them. We make hundreds of them. We're a big organisation. We work with lots and lots of people. We have to and have been forced to learn from our mistakes in the past. Um, and I think that's about being also about being genuine. You know, if you get it wrong... Don't be defensive. You know, we, we got it wrong. Help us to make it better. Invite honest feedback and review what you're doing. And I think that's really, really important if you're a funded project. We were talking there about different ways of setting up projects, different boundaries that you've got to negotiate. If you're funded, your funders will ask you to review. If you're saying we'll work with an advisory group, work with the advisory group. Go back in and say, is this working in the community? Are you seeing a difference? What can we do differently? Genuinely kind of go through these stages. And work out the way that you can best get that feedback. Here I've got, you're never too young to share an opinion. This was our uh, group that we ran for the children um, and the adults saying, uh, as well as principal stakeholders saying, you know, actually, what works well for you? What activities do you like? What don't you like? What can we do more of? Uh, What would you like us to do less of? Um, And there we go. That's the children being engaged there um, in, in opinion setting. And celebrate. Celebrate your successes. Publicise them. Talk about them in the community. Uh, Get out there um, and show people the difference the church can make. Now, usually people coming to the services or your community outreach are your best marketing tool. They'll go out there and talk about it and the difference that it's made in their lives. We've got a lot to celebrate in Govan Hill. We started off just a year ago with the Inspiring Scotland funding. We've now had 275 separate families through the door. We work with 75 children a day for three days a week. We now have partnerships with the Elam Church and the Free Church, uh, which is interesting for us to be working across a really diverse church group. The Free Church, were doing a drop-in session for the Roma community and found that actually they were getting hundreds of people that they hadn't expected through the door, which was great, but they didn't know what to do with the children. So they came and said, can you bring the skills and experience that you've got to work with the children? So we're now working there on a Tuesday night. So our key partners in the churches are Elam Church, Free Church, Church of Scotland. Um, we have a key partner in Scottish Playgroup, uh, Preschool Playgroup Association, who've come in and done a lot of the play intervention with us, helping us to hone our skills and thinking, you know, what makes play a therapeutic environment as just opposed to a fun environment, what we're really looking for in the changes of the children. 
We've got the health board coming in doing uh, healthy eating, child smiles. We've got Bookbug coming in doing early literacy schemes. We've got some of the housing departments now coming in, helping us gently to talk about whether housing is adequate for the, the numbers of people that are in the houses, whether we can do anything better with that. We've, we've, uh, the partnership with Elam also includes the food bank there, so we're able to very practically point people to uh, help and support in, in terms of just getting enough to eat. Um, so the, the project has grown. We've got masses to celebrate. This summer we went out, um, took children out of the area. They'd never been out of their local area. From, they may have come from different cultures from all over the world, but actually they hadn't been out of Govan Hill. Um, and so we got them out and about and let them see bits of Scotland, and they absolutely loved it. But it allowed us to see the parenting in a different context. What's it like to put the child on a bus and take them a, a, a distance? What does that feel like? How can we help the parents to set helpful boundaries? And what people are now telling us is that it's made a big difference to them. Of the 275 families that have come in, 80% are now telling us that they're less isolated. And I had a real experience one day when I opened the door there. Uh, people from seven different cultures walked in, people who weren't really good English speakers. They all went into the playroom and, playroom and just kind of got on with it. The mothers began to interact with each other, the kids were playing together, the workers went in, and it's great to see that happening. It's really a, a wonderful thing to see people coming together and crossing boundaries, crossing cultures, uh, and being less isolated in their communities, and that of course affects their mental health and the way they feel about life every day. So uh, people are less isolated. Uh, children are talking. We've got children who would come in uh, to us early on, didn't know how to play and, and weren't talking to us. They're now able to interact with other children, with us as a, a, a staff group, um, and uh, they are much, much more confident. The other thing that we're hearing from the schools is that children are engaging in education better. They are more able to pay attention, to listen, to deal with the boundaries that classrooms set um, and that sort of thing. So uh, we have got 80% um, of the schools where we have children placed with us are saying actually they see a big, big difference in the children's behaviour. And they're happier. We can see it. The children who would come in at first very unsure of the environment, uh, quite unhappy and quite chaotic environments now come running in. You can see it in their faces. They're just happier children. And that's what the parents tell us as well. They tell us that the children are happier, that they can manage them better, that it's not just in the centre this happens, it's at home. They're eating things that before they were refusing. All of that sort of thing. And that actually, as family groups, they feel more integrated in their local community and more able to deal with their children. And that's really what we've set out to do. So celebrate and make sure your offer is clear, work well in partnership, really think about the community that you're going into. Um, that, that's about what I've got to, <laughs> to offer you today. I wonder if you've got any questions about Govan Hill just now or whether we should just hand over to Alistair and let him talk about uh, the Bethany Centre and do the questions at the end. Would that be okay? Thank you, Viv. Uh, it's been great to collaborate with Viv as was introduced. Uh, we've met each other through partner, partnership discussions with Crossreach and Bethany over the years. So uh, thank you. For, it's a fantastic project. I've seen the slides previously myself, but just to see that and to see these young lives getting impacted in that way, it's really, and, and the way that people have worked together is really exciting. So a bit more listening for, for you guys uh, before, before another break. Uh, a bit about the Bethany Christian Centre, which is where I work. Um, so here it is in terms of its um, physical makeup. These rooms are in Bethany Christian Centre, based in Leith in Edinburgh. And next, this spring in 2013, it will be 30 years since uh, Reverend Alan and Anne Berry took on this particular place in Castlebank Street and initiated Bethany Christian Trust. They formed that with some trustees 30 years ago uh, in the spring. And um, who knows 
what what's on people's hearts today? You know, birthing ministries or something that you're just initiating, the day of small beginnings that could be established and could go on, um, and that's that's really exciting that God is laying things on people's hearts to have come here in the first place, but also to go from here and have ideas to take forward, and that's our desire as we've shared today. The project, the Dizzy project, has been something that was established recently. Bethany Christian Centre. Uh, established 30 years ago. I've been working there for 15 years and uh, its current form was established around about that time, 15 years ago. What it is now is essentially, originally it was a, a homeless hostel across the board for, with a very sort of open spectrum. But what it is now is very specifically a recovery centre for men with addiction problems, but particularly targeting homeless men or men who are at risk of homelessness. So again, a couple more pictures of the interior. And um, it's a lovely home. It's a, it's a very open place. Rather than being like individual rooms in a, in a flat, it's um, 17 beds in one big sort of family home. It used to be a, a gentleman, like a, a drinking club years ago, which is quite ironic. Uh, it also originally used to be called Hope House when it was first built. Uh, and that street was called Hope Street um, back in the day. So it is a place of hope. It's a place of great encouragement. Uh, there's a, what we're doing is effectively working with, with the men. It's an abstinence-based project. We're seeking to encourage them, the point of commenting their abstinence, to establish that, to then go on from that, to equip them with the skills to keep going. We have one-to-one support. We have group support. We have recreation, access to education, training, and so on. And with, all within a context of, of uh, the gospel being at the core of what we're doing. In terms of the mental health needs, as was mentioned this morning, there's different sort of terminology that's used uh, in terms of the diagnosis that are made. 70% of our referral base and, and residents um, have some kind of diagnosed mental health issue right across the spectrum. So whether it's classed as a mood disorder, an anxiety disorder, if it's more psychotic or if it's a personality disorder. The types of things within those uh, four types that, that we see most often, um, what's, what's used to be called clinical depression, um, uh, depression is, in its own right is something that we, we would see naturally. Um, also, it, bipolar disorder we would quite often see in terms of anxiety disorders, um, post-traumatic tra- stress disorder is something, whether that's from early childhood abuse or whether it's from something more recent. Um, sometimes people who have veterans, for example, that we've seen, and they, they come with, with those particular issues. Obsessive-compulsive disorder, again, is an anxiety um, or disorder or, or phobias, maybe social phobia. So these are the types of things people present with. We don't work with a lot of individuals with um, psychotic disorders at once, but we do, depending on the makeup of the house, we will accommodate if, if people are well supported in terms of their psychiatric interventions. So at any one time we might have um, individuals with uh, schizophrenia. And in terms of personal, personality disorders, it's one of these categories that, uh, for, for lots of different reasons, some believe in them, some don't, um, but they kind of don't fit the typical types um, and sometimes we, we're working with people who've come with a diagnosis either through being at the centre and they see a GP or they see a, a psychiatrist through being with us who might indicate they've got a borderline personal, personality disorder, a paranoid personality disorder. So just to say that in context, although it's very much a, an addiction service, it's kind of these, they're very much hand in hand, these issues. The range of interventions that we provide, I'm not going to focus on too much, but they're on the slides and these will be on the, on the webpage. The reason for putting them in is just because of time. There's not enough time to tell you about what we do and I want to focus on the, the context of the relationships that we have. But in essence, what I've said already, 24-hour support, one-to-one, group, uh, one-to-one support, groups, addiction worker, lots of referral to involve mental health professionals, to work closely with the local GPs, to work with all the addiction agencies. Um, we focus on making it fun as well, making it a family feel, have lots of recreation, do house holidays, that kind of thing. So you can, if you feel like looking that up afterwards, then you can. So thinking about the context of, of this topic, um, stakeholders, anyone familiar with that expression, stakeholders? 
When I first heard of that, I had no idea what that was about. And uh, for quite a long time in social care, I still didn't know what it was about. Essentially, it's anyone that has a stake or an interest in a particular service. Another definition might be a person or a group who's involved in or affected by a course of action. So it's, it's, if you think of a pie chart or even a pie, it's the slices of that and that, the, that each particular group has an interest in. These are the stakeholders. And part of what we're thinking about today is creating and sustaining a positive influence, positive relationships uh, with integrity and with effectiveness. In the context of what Viv and I are sharing, effectiveness is not just the results, it's not just the achievements or the outcomes, it's also about getting on with people and, and that kind of effectiveness, that kind of relational um, support that, that exists. Integrity, we know what that is, and the context here is, is about applying that, being consistent between our actions and what we think and our values, being open about who we are, not having hidden agendas, not having any kind of pretense, but also being without compromise. So for the centre, our stakeholders are the service users. They prefer to be called residents in our setting. Their families, the staff and the volunteers within the team, the church, and that's within Bethany. We've been very blessed with a huge support from the church right across all its forms and spectrum, and, and that's extremely well uh, appreciated. Um, so the church, whether it's a local context, the local churches, or whether it's broader, is a, is a stakeholder for us. Supporters, that might be individuals within churches, but it might be individuals from any setting. It could be companies. Um, local community, they're a stakeholder. And within our context, the recovery community is also a stakeholder, which is the recovery community is a, it's a, almost like a subgroup or a subculture within community. Healthcare professionals, the NHS particularly, social care partners, including social work, addiction services, which bridge the gap. Well, they don't bridge the gap, but they're, a, they're both health and social care very often, but they're developed in their own right. Criminal justice, another stakeholder, whether it's the police or whether it's uh, probation services. Services for communities, City of Edinburgh Council, that is actually one of the key funders for the centre. And the care inspector, anyone here from the care inspector today? Sorry to hear that. Uh, so, uh, these are all our, our um, stakeholders. Now, have any of you ever felt like this? Anyone felt like that today? Hopefully not today. Or recently? You feel like that today? Oh, that's not so good. I felt like the gentleman on the, on the right on Thursday. And uh, that's not me, but I was feeling very much like that. Just spinning lots of plates, lots of firefighting, lots of different people with different needs. I didn't... I didn't have two phones, but there was multiple phone calls coming in, and uh, it's not a particularly... It's quite a challenging experience, and the reality is this, this is challenging. Um, this morning, when we were, when we were worshipping in song, the, the words of love and sorrow um, being, being melted down and flowing down just reminded me of some of the things I was dealing with on Thursday in terms of the needs. And the reality is that you know, um, we do weep with those that weep as well as rejoicing with those that rejoice. Some of what you'll hear about later is like testimonies of amazing things that have been happening. But I want to set the context that that's also there's some hard things that we, we walk, walk people through with as well. Some of you might be feeling like this. Anyone feeling like that today? In control? Got things sorted? Everything's kind of just... The problem with these particular images is that they're not able to move, so... Because uh, they've, they've got one foot in the air. So. The primary stakeholder, obviously, as, as Christians, you know, it's the Lord's work. So assuming that, the primary stakeholder for us in, in the centre is the men that we're working with. This is a photo about probably about 12, 18 months ago. Um, there's two or three staff in there, but most of these are our men that we work with and support. And they... they form part of our community and, and the, the 17 residents and a staff team of about 14 with three volunteers on top of that which we very much involve as the staff team uh, Viv's mentioned the importance of team, forming a team, developing a team, the skills, the support one of the things that I have always kept in my mind and heart um, Bill Hybels conference is uh, uh, down the road today as well and he spoke about chemistry, competence and character as being three ingredients within a team that are really important. And if you build those things, that they can, be, they can really then follow on and bless in terms of the service users. So these are some past and present crew 
Um, these are the ones that were smiling when the photos were taken. So, <laughs> so important principles. These are just tips uh, that, we, that I've picked up along the way that's what made it, made it work. The reason I think that is beneficial, hopefully, to share about the centre today is that the centre is very much... Uh, all of Bethany's work is very much faith-based, um, but the work of the centre, there's, there's, a, there's a, in terms of the vehicle for change that we're using, we're, we are standing on the shoulders of what's called a, a Christian philosophy model within addiction. Now that has, was recognised in the States and recognised in Europe, in the UK, as being lots of rehabs up and down the country and across the world that used Christian principles as their sort of drive, as their main their main ethic, but also as their vehicle for change. And we stand on their shoulders in terms of, of what we're doing. So we use things like the 12 steps, but we use it within a Christian context. We'll, we'll do life skills and we'll do um, social skills and cognitive skills. We'll use relapse prevention techniques and we'll use elements of cognitive behavioural therapy. But we'll do it all within a context of the gospel as being the vehicle for change. Now, the, the issue why that, I'm mentioning that is we're funded uh, quite substantially by the council. In, that, in this particular service. So one of the things that we had to do was make sure that they were completely on side without hiding anything that we're doing, being completely open about what we're, what we're doing, but also being clear about the outcomes and that they're shared and they're agreed. So listening, first and foremost, good communication, making sure that... I'll, I'll read these out and then we'll go back over them. Listening, good communication, being transparent and open, aligning outcomes, meeting each stakeholder's needs exceeding each stakeholder's expectations, which is the next stage from that. Emphasis on choice, equality and accessibility of support, balance and trust, appropriateness, and demonstrating the benefits. So listening, uh, they've mentioned that, finding out what the community needs. For us, it's, it's been listening over, the, over many years. Um, and in context of relation to the council, for example, what, is, what are their strategic aims what are the key national outcomes that they're working towards? What are the local outcomes that they're working towards? And how can Bethany Christian Centre meet those particular outcome sets? So in our context, we, if, you, if you're involved in social care in Edinburgh uh, with a registered housing support service, you'll know about ECHO. Uh, you might not be a fan, but what it is is a, is a recording system where you record outcomes and demonstrate outcomes. So we've been very clear about seeking to not just meet them but exceed them so that we can demonstrate to the council this works. So no matter the vehicle for change, this works. Good communication, um, just responding to emails, making phone calls, having good communication with people, with all your stakeholders is vital. If you, if you start to slip in those things and you're spinning plates, then involve somebody else in making those phone calls or making those emails. If you struggle with one particular area, like I'm not particularly good at phoning people back and that is a weakness and if that's your bugbear, don't think you phone me, but you might have phoned others. So I have to work on making sure I do or involving somebody else in that and just making sure that people are not let down and that they're feeling that there's trust. Being transparent and open about what we're doing. Um, aligning outcomes. There's outcomes that, it, that connects to the transparency. There's outcomes that um, the church will have in terms of expectations for Bethany. There's outcomes that the council will have. There's outcomes in terms of standards that the care inspector will have. But actually, they're not... A lot of them are very similar. A lot of them cross over to the point that there's this huge range um, that is like almost, almost uh, identical in terms of the crossover. So if, if, you can, if you can make sure that your partners, your stakeholders, are agreed about what they are benefiting from, so... The council's paying us money, they want us to, to meet 21 criteria, they want us to exceed them, and that's what we focus on doing. Um, as, as a Christian organisation, we're supported by the church, and we're wanting to, within that, demonstrate the gospel through our social action, which we're doing, but also within the centre itself. And this isn't the case for all, um, all our projects, because each, it might not be appropriate, but we're coming on to... But in the centre, we're offering the gospel itself as being the vehicle for that, uh, for that new life. So meet each stakeholder's needs and then start to think about exceeding those needs, which is quite a challenge, but worth seeking to do. So that's about giving people what they want before they ask for it, um, producing reports on things that you might not even be asked to, 
uh, preparing things for inspection if, if it's an inspection service get, getting good relationships with the, the inspector, good relationships with your commissioning officer etc emphasis on choice if it's a Christian ministry project that involves any element of um, Christian ministry that's not necessarily social care or uh, then choice is vital to emphasise and vital to enshrine so that nobody ever feels uh, compelled or, or forced to do anything. The same applies for equality and access uh, in terms of that the door has to be completely wide in terms of who can come in. Balance and trust and appropriateness, we've kind of touched on already, but I suppose within the context of what the centre's doing, one of the things that we have to be careful of is, is balance and appropriateness. So it's a social care organisation. We're funded by the council. We're inspected as a housing support agency. So, for example, we would not have a laying on of hands ministry in our setting. It wouldn't be appropriate. We would involve others for that and refer them on to that, but we wouldn't have it in our setting. That's just an example. There would be other examples. And, and I suppose the other example would be evangelism. It would, it, you know, we wouldn't have that in that setting as, a, as an overt sort of aim. It's part of the offer of the programme if people want it, but... Demonstrating the benefits, this is the final point, you may be pleased to know. Um, demonstrating the benefits, and that is just dependent on the audience, dependent on the group. Some people want to know about social return on investment, that their pound is paying the equivalent of seven or eight pounds worth if they, if they were to spend it elsewhere. So we've done one of them to demonstrate that. Some are interested in the longitudinal benefits, like over time. How have people benefited? Like, does it really work? You know, is the real change that's taking place? So, we, you know, that's something that we've been able to demonstrate. Some people want to hear the stories and the testimonies, and particularly in a church context, and just to hear this works and the, to, to encourage the church. Within that, we have to be we have to uh, be demonstrate integrity as well. It's not all success stories. That is the reality, especially actually in the addiction field. We very often are meeting people at the point of. 10, 15, 20 years of chronic heroin dependency or alcohol dependency where it's actually become part of their fuel, the way that we breathe and uh, it's, for that reason it's, it's just extremely hard uh, we're going to hear some stories uh, and it's just these are wonderful stories about, uh, you'll, you'll see why in a minute this is, uh, if we had popcorn we could give it out now it's six minutes long at the end of that uh, Viv and I will open things up for questions about both the projects and about you know, any questions that you have yourselves and we'll finish at quarter past so oh this is Danny, he lives at the centre uh, he's a very cheery individual but he didn't come to us like that so the, vi- the video um, is sit back and relax and uh, you might have brought your own popcorn, I don't know if you have
really chaotic my life. Um, I was kind of abusing um, drugs and alcohol. So I lost the, the meaning and purpose of life. Um, living really isolated and lonely. It got, got really bad. I was just constantly going, going in circles with depression. and I surrendered my life to him and I asked him to take control of my life and to be the Lord in my life and it was at that point my life started to take off. I just wanted to say my turning point was that I, I found out enough was enough, you know, of doing everything and when I came to Bethany things got changed. And I started doing um, exams and everything, getting to know about God. And I, I started um, just worshipping the Lord. And it was so brilliant. I just got stronger in myself. And the people who are working in Bethany, they're so helpful and supportful in my life. And I'm so just really happy. And to be with God, God is the most powerful person ever going, you know, because he has changed my life and he can change other people's lives. I think it was, um, my, my, my turning point was um, one night I was, I was uh, begging for money in the streets and this, this woman that worked in one of the, the shops locally from up and um, shared with me um, how she used to take drugs and things like that and she asked about her life and it, and it changed her life. And for me, that, that was like a, an emotional time for me, that just right there and then, I don't know exactly what happened, but I just felt myself being really emotional for the first time in a very long time. And that's when I made the decision to, to, to commit my life to the world. Centre and supporting the guys in all aspects of their life, sharing Christ with them daily and telling them about the great plan the Lord's got for their lives. Uh, I've got lots of family and friends around about, involved in church, and my life just full of goodness because of the love of Christ. I've been in uh, Bethany for 10 months and um, nearly through I'm getting a, a new flat of Bethany support and, and uh, I've got a job now working on the golf course and the Lord's really blessed me through that and everything I've written down and asked God for, He's blessed me with it and I just want to say thank you for, for being with God and thank you for being with the staff too. I've been enjoying my life and um, I've also um, had um, medical treatment for an uh, infection that I never ever believed that I would be able to go, go through. I've, I've been through that, six months treatment, cleared it. Um, I've, been, I've been to college, um, learning a lot about, about myself. Um, I'm looking forward to moving into my own place um, very soon. Um, hopefully get employment in the future. I'm quite proactive, I enjoy going to the gym. And, um, I really enjoy fellowship, I'm involved with it. Church Outreach Catholic now, I've been doing that for almost a year and I really enjoy putting something back into the community where I used to live as an alcoholic drug
so. So, um, do you want to come up? And we've got uh, about five or six minutes. So, do you have any questions for either of us on, presumably, on the topics to which we've been sharing? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Mick, is it? There's an enormous demand rising in the community for more mental health support to establish safety nets, to make life belts for the ones who keep jumping back in again, having fished them out once already, or twice, or three times. Mm-hmm. Um, I would like specifically to have some dialogue, perhaps, uh, with this meeting with Crossreach over delivering the sort of services that you deliver mm-hmm. in a residential situation. We have to deliver them in the community. Mm-hmm. We have to have them ready probably the next financial year is going to be horrendous for many mental health sufferers. So I'd like to work with both of you. <laughs> well, um, the, the cross-reach stands out there. We run a number of services for people with mental health difficulties and, and specific mental illness. Uh, one of our most successful models is the day services in Kilmarnock. Um, there's some other work on the stand there and we'd be very happy to have a conversation with you about that. I think the, the main thing is to chart the need to get that uh, community plan, that engagement, the, 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 the idea of what your community really, really needs and to be able to present that um, in a very coherent way to any funder that you might be approaching to help you to do that. Um, yeah, I would just add, I, th- I think you're absolutely right and... Um, We've seen in Edinburgh um, an increase of addiction recovery groups delivered by the church that are community-based, which is excellent to see. And I, I think that there is a definite need for a similar type of outreach, but with a mental health feel. And um, Carl this morning was talking about missional communities. That mm. they, you know, it's, it's essential. Well, this might people might disagree with this, but it's essentially house groups looking outwards and thinking about yeah. you know what their what their mission could be. And uh, with specific groups, so I, I think I think there's massive need for that. I would agree. And uh, I, I would I would say that in terms of the local church, there's a there's a huge part to play there. Organisations like Crossreach and Bethany can can facilitate that and support that, and in some cases resource it as well. So hmm. uh, we've got lots of different models. I, we. Um as organisations, I don't know if you do the same, but we can go in and do a piece of work with a community or a church to help them to think about what they want, asset build on the ground and then withdraw and leave the church or the community um, with the power to be able to do what they want for themselves with the community around about them. So I think there, there are lots of, of different models around, but I think the key thing is to get really get a hold of that need and to be able to articulate it for for, it, for the stakeholders, people who might be interested in working with you. Yeah. The second hand, I'm afraid, was about just... <laughs> is it Elise? Elizabeth. Yeah, I was just wondering, are you sort of agency and then... or voluntary and then the stakeholders are the ones that are funding you as a church as you go out or how do you because the work that you're doing is marvelous, but then it is a lot of, I'm sure, money, resources to put into. So are you agents or volunteers as a church, or you've got people that are funding for what you're doing? they like the, the ones called the stakeholders. Yeah. I would say that the, the stakeholders will, will include funders, but they won't just be funders. Mm-hmm. So there's only one of our stakeholders that's a funder. Sorry, two of our stakeholders that's a funder, and they are the church and the council in, in our context. So the council gives money because we're providing housing and we're providing housing support. Um, the church gives money because Bethany's an arm of the church uh, that, that, that the church generally supports as long as, as, as along with Crossreach and many other uh, organisations. Yeah. Uh, the, f- the funders are the important stakeholder to keep happy because that's how you manage to keep your services running. 
but the most important stakeholders are always your service users, the people coming along, because unless you're really affecting deep change for them in their lives and that you're getting that quality of outreach right, there's no point in funding a service by keeping these stakeholders happy that's not really reaching out to the people on the ground. So I think there is that constant balancing act between really doing the work that you know you want to do and that is going to make a difference to people and balancing the funding. <laughs> and a lot of work, I mean, and we've had to look at all of our services as well. Sometimes we've just been doing things because we've been funded for it and we've kept the funders happy. But have we really made a difference to the people approaching the work approaching the church for help uh, and that's where we've become much much more outcomes focused and we're doing uh, so much more engagement now with people on the ground saying does this meet the need and if not how can we change it okay um the lady here what's that what's your name uh, my question is to viv as a multicultural service um, do you, where do you draw your volunteers from? Are they multicultural? Actually, most of the volunteers are from the local churches. Right. Um, <laughs> in, I, had, I had two questions. The second was, as a multicultural service, how do you put across the Christian aspect? Well, it's implicit in everything that Crossreach does. It's there in our mission statement. We're all our workers, we have a genuine occupational requirement. So everybody comes with a Christian faith that works for the organisation. And it's the outworking, I think, of faith in the community um, that is that statement of, of God's love. If people want to talk to us about their faith and their spirituality, then that's fine. But that is not what we as a service are set up to do. We're not set up to talk about our faith. We're set up to be faith in, in action. Um, and that's one of the things about being very, very clear about what, what your mission is. Through the multicultural work, although it was local churches who first um, came in to be volunteers with us, we have now a number of volunteers from different agencies. And the benefit of being a big organisation from us and that bit about bringing our skills together is that we have volunteers in the Tom Allen Centre in Glasgow, one of whom uh, is from the, the Roma community, who now comes and helps us with that engagement to, to properly understand um, the, the community we're working with. So um, trying to draw volunteers in to match the skills with the people that you're working with. Just thinking of your time, it's, um, it's 16 minutes past. You're due in next door at half past, so uh, will we take one more question? Is that going to, and then, or will we leave it there? What's your thoughts? One more question. Lady over here, what's your name? Uh, Rose. Rose, hi. Just a quick question. Do you have any uh, services to maybe a middle class sort of area where there's still needs, addictions, <laughs> mental health? Is there anything? Yeah, yeah. Well, I, we you work in every area. Um, we're specifically there to meet unmet need. Um, local authorities are there with statutory requirements to meet need which is clear uh, and which they are required to do something about. We're interested in working with all sorts of communities in all sorts of areas and in fact um, our counselling services in particular work with people from, from all walks of society um, and our postnatal depression service I think particularly crosses all boundary. One in ten women experience postnatal depression whether from a deprived community or from a very rich community so we do try to build services that are appropriate uh, for any community that wants to work with us. Mm. And for Bethany, it's, in, its, in its origin and its purpose, it's very much a homelessness charity, but homelessness and addiction doesn't respect class. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and so we've very, it's, for, so for the centre, for example, um, we might have people who are at risk of homelessness as well, that their addiction has got to the point that the family home or whatever is being affected, and we would absolutely be open to people coming from that cir those circumstances. Um, women with addiction is there anything that drum beat is very close to my heart and uh, it's something that um, my wife worked in Bethany for many years and we sought to pilot a number of different women's works um, the most recent was in West Lothian which was for younger women with, with children it's, part, it, it's something that Bethany uh, doesn't currently have as a specific uh, facility um, but we do have a women's flat in um, in uh, Cooper Street uh, with support. So, yes and no is the answer for us. Okay. 
Yeah, and, and, and similarly, we may not have specific services for women, but Simpson House in Edinburgh, which is our drugs counselling service, works with both men and women. Um, uh, and we work with uh, men coming out of prison and women coming out of Cornton Vale as well. So um, it, 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 our residential service, I guess, Cunningham House, which is our homelessness service, actually has three beds for women um, within that facility. Yeah. So we're, we're interested in, in working where the need is um, without being too specific about uh, setting the boundaries in, in that way. If there's a need, we'll come and see if we can meet it. So I think we should hand over to Suzanne. Is that what we're doing? Thank you all for your interest. And I just wanted to say thank you to both Viv and Alistair. You've already done that. But that was very insightful just to what, as to what is available. Um, sometimes these things tend to spark off more questions than bring answers, but they will be around, I think, both of you for the course of the day. So maybe even over lunch you'll be able to get a chance to have a chat with them if you've got more to ask. So please do now make your way through to the main hall. Hopefully it, their seminar is just coming to a close. And uh, enjoy the afternoon.